two Chicago writers just made it to the big time. Chris Petlack and Jim Kazura. Did I say that right? It's a Show is recorded in front of a live studio audience. Greg, are you there? I'm here. Jim, are you there? Hi, guys. I haven't slept for three nights thinking about trying to hook up this conference call, so thanks for doing all the heavy lifting, Chris. I appreciate that. Oh. Everyone's happy, and the ratings are soaring at Chicago's 101.7, The Jams. Pump up the jam, pump it up, while your feet are stumping. The Jams. Now, back to JJ and Fitzy. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Greg Shannon. What a clever name. <laughs> All right, this week, It's a Show welcomes the co-creators and co-stars of The Jams, a sitcom following the exploits of the crew at 101.7 The Jam, Chicago's fictional number one rated radio station. I watched it. I loved it. And I'm pretty excited to have you guys on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. I think we lost Jim. Let me let me get Jim back. I think we lost him. Hang on a second. <laughs> I bored him to death already. I just said hello. Weather today in the... Solid plastic, so don't settle for imitation. But the senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. Baby, if you've ever wondered, wondered whatever became of me, I'm living on the air in Chicago's number one hit music station. 101.7, the jams. You're on the air. All right, we're all here again. The Jams is about two overnight DJs who want the morning show when the number one rated morning guy for 18 years, uh, Casey, decides he's going to retire. After 18 years at the top, I am stepping down as host of the morning show. Holy crap! Holy crap! And by the way, that's how you know this show is fictional because a uh, guy's never been number one for 18 years. Well, well, well I have to correct you. Uh, the Eric and Kathy morning show on 101.9 The Mix has been uh, number one for about 18 years now in the 2554 demo. They may be the golden goose there. Okay, I stand corrected. Now, once upon a time, you were the morning show producer for that fiasco. Are you still there? Because I couldn't find you on the website today. No, I was their social media manager. So I ran all of their Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, website stuff for the last five years. So yeah, no, I didn't have a, a bio on the website or anything like that because that was just the cast of the show. So I kind of popped in and out throughout the years, but I was their social media manager. How foolish of them. You got a show on Netflix, for God's sake. <laughs> and here's the thing. like, how, No wonder they're number one one they got about 12 people on the morning show i've never seen a bigger yeah morning they've show. got a good cast of characters the rodeo yeah it really is but yeah they're all wonderful they're great people and they uh they've been doing an awesome job for the last almost 20 years it's a show with greg shannon is presented by openhighway.com see the future today and grow your business the easy way with openhighway.com chris and i did an improv show together had a great time really wanted to try and get a, a web series going i had written a pilot a long long time ago with this of the jams in it. But basically what Chris and I did was we sat down and thought, okay, if we were going to film a web series, if we're going to film 16 episodes of a thing, let's talk about every location that we have access to. Like, because every web series 
tends to be struggling actors in their apartment, struggling actors in their kitchen, or struggling actors on the sidewalk. And I was like, well, let's forget about the plot first. Let's think about locations. And so Chris's friend owns a funeral home. We thought that was a place. <laughs> I work at a school. We, so we brainstormed for a while, and then we really came down to, hey, can we get into the radio station for a weekend and film? And Chris asked his boss, and about the time that he'd gotten the green light, it was like, all right, let's put pen to paper and, and crank out 17 of these scripts. So we did. So it was, it was really sort of location first, I guess which is an interesting way of doing it. But I wanted to make sure our web series looked and sounded different than the majority of them, just so that we had a leg up out of the gate. And I think that was kind of a good way of approaching it. Obviously works for a broad audience and has been making people laugh on Netflix, but there's a lot of subtle nuances that only radio guys get, which I really appreciate. So you must have some inside knowledge. And was it just, Chris, from your work with the mix and, and being like at an arm's length, but being the social media manager, where you got these subtle things, like how the morning guy acts and how you treat the interns? Yeah, yeah. So I had worked uh, in radio for eight years now. So we um, we had quite a wealth of, 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 of knowledge to take into everything, which was great. And so then what we would do is, you know, we'd brainstorm ideas for scripts and could we do this, could we do that? Or Jim would come and say like, hey, I, I think we should have the characters do this. And it's like, well, that wouldn't really happen. And maybe this would happen. So there's moments where it's like, I would say this would never happen. And Chris would say it has. <laughs> or yeah. something where yeah. I would say this wouldn't work. And Chris would go, actually, yes, it would. So that was kind of a fun uh, in- insider scoop there. In terms of the show, like ne- the show as it is now on Netflix, our art director came in and visited me at the radio station. And so we went around and uh, Amanda Britton and she took pictures of like every nook and cranny of the radio station in Chicago. And then what she did was she sort of took that and then looked online at other radio stations and then tried to decorate everything to look like a legit radio station with like former event posters in the backgrounds and like uh, all of that sort of stuff. So the world sort of became really... Um, natural and real to work in on set too which was really exciting i looked up ramel chan who plays the intern on social media he's uh, at ramel yes on twitter he says your asian little brother a chubby harry potter another self-obsessed attention seeker the jams on netflix chicago illinois what a character he is and he doesn't say anything because you don't let him any other ideas intern this is your time to shut up i'm kidding you're human garbage Yeah. (laughs) We won the New York Television Festival back in 2014. So we we made these web series, submitted them to the festival, and then got the opportunity to, with the festival and the orchard, to blow this world out into these four full-length episodes. And so the pilot was the first script that we wrote and the first script that we spent the most time really um, trying to perfect, obviously. And, you know, in, in one of the first drafts, the intern speaks right away in the second scene. And then, you know, we kind of revised it and said, you know, we don't need him to do that. And then he speaks in like the third scene. Like, we don't need him to do that. And then by the end of the episode, he has one line. We're like, we don't need him to do that. So then it became this thing where, well, now this guy hasn't said anything. So we just got to keep it going. And that's perfect because as a former morning guy who trains some interns, it's best if they don't speak, I found. And uh, now it's a human resources (laughs) issue. Like, now, now you can't get away with treating interns like that anymore. And probably justly so. But back in the day, that's exactly how it was, man. Yeah, and uh, Ramel took the role and like ran with it. He um, on set, he w- we would all be working a scene, and then there'd be a moment where he walks across the back, or he'll walk through the scene, or he'll just stand there and not say anything. So there's a scene in the conference room where um, Jim's character Fitzy tells intern to write something down, and for the rest of the scene, Ramel just kept trying to steal Chrissy's pen. 
<laughs> and it was just a decision that Ramel made to do. Nice. And it be, it's one of our favorite moments because you just see him reaching, trying to get her pen as she's writing things. And it's very subtle, but that's what he brought all these subtleties that are so hilarious to the role. And it's funny. So many people, uh, when they talk about the show, they talk about how funny he is. And I think it's, it's a real testament to him because he doesn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> now you mentioned Chrissy, so that's Emily Peterson, and probably the best thing to come out of me watching this show and then inviting you two goons on my show is the fact that Chrissy Emily follows me on Twitter now. So boom, yeah, in your Whoa. face, Whoa. in yeah, your face. Follow. She doesn't follow <laughs> me on Twitter, and that she, is a win. So let's talk about the ensemble cast. Who did the casting? You guys had a huge say in this, obviously, but did you have a casting director, or how did that all work? Yeah, so PR Casting in Chicago was gracious enough to uh, help us out and give us access to the wealth of talent that lives and works in Chicago. So Ted Tremper was the director, and we had two or three days of, of auditions at PR. And at the end of it all, there was a, a wall full of headshots where we kind of realized that there were more talented people than we had space for. It, it's a great problem to have where you're trying to figure out, like, who can we make a speaking role for? How can we stretch a role that didn't exist before and to give it to give more per people lines it was a fun couple of days to, to be in the room and plan that out i love the guy david uh pasquisi is it who plays casey the morning guy david came on to play casey and he is probably one of if not the best improviser maybe in the world uh but he <laughs> has a show in chicago david's also on veep so you can see him on veep and um People might recognize him for a ton of other things like Strangers with Candy and a lot of other things. But he agreed to come in as Casey, and it was and he does a show in Chicago with TJ Jagodowski called TJ and Dave. And it's a weekly improv show. It's just two guys. They walk on stage. They say hello. I mean, the life Stephen Colbert has a quote. I mean, I know, I know Chris said it kind of flippantly, but Stephen Colbert wrote the foreword to their book and said, one of these guys is the best improviser in the world, and the other one is better or something to that effect. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Wow. They are amazing. That's yeah, incredible. So he when he agreed to do the show and play Casey, that was like a feather in the cap for us just to have someone like that say, like, I like this work and I'd like to be a part of it. And then when um when Kathy Najimi came on on board and uh she had read the script and she from what we were told said she liked it and then she agreed to do the show and then she was there and so that was awesome and then michael patrick thornton who plays stanton we had always had him as our dream casting for stanton and uh and he agreed to, to be in the show as well so when we when when those three our big three from the uh, lebron, you know, lebron uh, yeah exactly <laughs> exactly it was so flattering and then when they all got on set and everybody had the same mindset of just we're all so excited and we want to do this fun thing it became really really cool and we shot everything in chicago and we shot everything overnight so kathy had like the worst schedule of anybody because we had to shoot all of her scenes like she only had available i think it was six days <clears throat> in her schedule and so when she came in we just got right to work and she was fantastic and lovely and, and fun and um we were just so excited you guys average what five calls a week no no no, no. We, we take five calls a week we get way more we just don't answer yeah, a lot of weirdos calling so four <laughs> were funded what's on the horizon are we getting more what's the timeline look like well, we're, we're kind of up in the air at the moment. I think the timeline right now is uh, getting as many people as we possibly can to, to watch these four. It's an interesting time we are living in, not to get too philosophical, but our show is, I'm going to say the first, and if there's a different show to which this is true, they can, they can correct me or sue me. But I think, this, I think the jam is the first show to secure
secure distribution on the scale that we have done without really having a network behind us this exact moment, which is really speaking to the state of independent television. I mean, there's never been a time like this for TV. TV is typically a studio says, we want to do this. We're going to put the money behind it. We're going to film it, pay for it, distribute it, etc. I mean, right now, it's just getting as much of a following as we can on these four and hoping that in the spirit of independent television, it finds a home elsewhere or right where it is. So if I watch them twice, does that count for twice? Because I'll watch them again all over. Yeah, like we're three I think times. so. Yeah, I think so. I mean... You can turn it on and go to the grocery store. We'll take it. <laughs> Please do. You know, Please do. and I think yeah. it, it's encouraging to see that the world of business is starting to catch up with the creative entrepreneurs now. The creativity has all been there, and there's Chicago and Second City, and the whole thing is packed with them in your city right there. But now we have these organizations that you hooked up with in New York that fund these platforms for you to showcase your stuff and perhaps win your episodes, you know, win the financing to get it done. Yeah. And, and we can't say enough good things about the New York Television Festival, which is where we were when we received the development deal in 2014. And they do that every year. They have deals and opportunities and you can sit down with people that you otherwise wouldn't be able to in any other scenario. And uh, the festival coming up in October this year um, and it really opened a lot of doors for us because we were able to sit down with people from networks and production companies and development companies and distribution companies that otherwise we'd have no real way to just get into. So they are like the Sundance festival for television. I mean, there's nothing yeah. really like them as, as far as getting independent artists in touch with the people who make decisions. So can you guys go back to the well now that you've successfully done these four episodes and, and go with the second year or are you not allowed to go back? Well, with the jams now that it's producing on, on, on Netflix now, that is its product. So we're waiting for hopefully more orders on that. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, we could go back with other projects, which we have. Look, we're both real tired of each other at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Yes. No, but I mean, we're, we're writing all the time, both on our own and then just spitting ideas back and forth together. And uh, in the last uh, two years, really, of our lives have been the jams, really, because it was a much longer process than I think maybe people would generally think it is to get something like that off the ground. And we were lucky enough to be involved every step of the way, which is fantastic. So we're hoping that we yeah, get that, to try to get... that doesn't happen elsewhere. Right. Yeah. And I mean, because we're... We were able to be on board as co-executive producers as well, so we were lucky enough to be involved with everything. So we're hoping, and with things like this, with, with getting a chat with you and more people about the show, we're hoping that we just get to do that again. <laughs> you have 50 million followers, right? You guys are pretty great at research. That's why you're on the show. <laughs> <laughs> now, I just think of Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. A couple of young guys, they put it together. They got creative control. They made the film Goodwill Hunting. Then they w go on to win an Oscar. So this same thing looks like it's replicating itself to a certain degree with you guys. It's a Cinderella story for entrepreneurs and creative people. But I know that there was blood, sweat, and tears and still is that have gone into this. So how about the timeline of when you guys made the decision you're going to do a radio sitcom, how long did it take you to churn out the scripts, then get to the next level and get these webisodes done? Like who filmed the webisodes? Just friends and family? Or how did that work? First and foremost, let's not overlook the fact that what you just missed out is that one of us is Jason Bourne and the other one is Batman. <laughs> yeah. There is yeah. something. So cool. If we're going to make the comparison, <laughs> let's make it, let's make it all the way. No, you know, the, the, the web series got filmed in 2012, about, uh, about this time, actually, in 2012. So we're coming up on four years. It was me, Chris, uh, my friend Dan Svoboda, my friend Matt Eck, my friend Tim Clancy, my friend Sean Remley. It was us in a room on a weekend, said, you know, let's, 
if we give you pizza and M&M's, will you give us your Saturday? And so Dan edited about half the episodes. I edited about the other half. We put them up on YouTube. We released one a week for about five or six months. Uh, our friends and family really liked them. Not many other people really saw them. This was just the control room stuff, shooting in yeah, the studio. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so it was just it was just JJ and Tiffy in the studio. At one point, we had a call from our boss, and it was a man, and he yelled at us. And then we had like my mom and dad call in once and stuff like that. But the only people you ever saw on camera were JJ and Fitzy. Right. Jim took uh, four or five of those episodes and strung them together. And we submitted that to the 2014 NYTVF, uh, New York Television Festival, as a pilot for their pilot competition. We were lucky enough to be selected into the festival, and then we left the festival with the Orchard Go Project development deal, which was a development deal between the Orchard out of Los Angeles and the New York Television Festival's production wing uh, in New York. For those keeping and, score, we're, we're already in 2014 when this happened. Yeah, we're not. So, I mean, that's, it's, yeah, yeah, that's like October of 2014. And by December of 2014, we were writing the pilot. And then we were writing until we shot, really. <laughs> and we shot in May of 2015. And even so, a little yeah. bit while we were shooting. Yeah, there were rewrites while we were shooting. So and then, were you guys getting paid um, at all? Were you drawing any kind of monetary compensation for any of this during the, or was it all just going into the production? No, there was, uh, so everything was done on a SAG, the Screen Actors Guild minimum budget, $100 a day and a sandwich. But I mean, we were paid the same way that, that we asked the actors to come on and, and be paid for so like we did everything by the by the letter of the union as far as the writers guild and the screen actors guild but it was all on the minimum allowable new media contract which you know if we were to sit down with a pen and paper and think about what our hourly wages were i don't know that we would ever want to do that but the idea is that you know this is an opportunity that you don't pass up i mean that's that's what it is i mean chris and i worked on this for a year we were compensated but it's more about the idea that you know we have an opportunity that we would not have otherwise had. Jim, are you uh, in the subway in Chicago, the Windy City, or where are you at? Because I keep hearing, like, road noise. Oh, yeah. So if I'm going to be the God's honest, you truth, You're... I am on a golf course right now. <laughs> I'm holding uh, you up. What hole are you on? I am actually, I've got to be honest, I started playing better than I played all day as soon as I got on a call because I'm answering a question and then I'm pressing mute and then I'm answering a question and then I'm pressing mute and then I'm taking a swing and... <laughs> It's it's going wonderfully. I might I might I'm on fifteen. I might make you guys stay on the call with me until until we bring this thing home because it's been going really well since we started. You know, when you have a show on Netflix, guys, you can afford the nineteen dollar Twilight Golf or it's preserved golf course. I'm on the T box now. I might just swing one live. Well, guys, I really appreciate you taking time out for the It's a Show podcast. The show is called The Jams. It's on Netflix. You got to watch it. You're going to love it. The only tragic part about it is there's only four episodes, and we can change that by telling our friends and neighbors and getting more eyeballs on this great show, this entrepreneurial effort that is extremely funny with an awesome ensemble cast. We got Jim and Chris, Fitzy and JJ from The Jams. Guys, I really appreciate it, and let's hear that golf shot. Are you ready? Are you up? Yeah, you know what? These guys, so these guys in front of me are, are riding these, uh, have you ever seen the Segway? Yeah. Like surfboards, like the golf. So they're like, I would hit them where they are, but I'm kind of having a fun time watching them wiggle. And we're, I gotta, I gotta believe we're like 18 holes deep. I gotta believe these batteries are dying because these guys are, they're going much slower than they were going early on in the hole. Radio doesn't even need wires. You're on the air. Hello, it's Chris Petlack and Jim Kazera. We're JJ and Fitzy from The Jams, now on Netflix, and you are listening to It's a Show. I'm about to hit a golf shot. This might go terribly, and if I know me, it's going to go terribly. This crowd has gone deadly silent. Cinderella story, out of nowhere. A former greenskeeper now about to become the Masters champion.
Oh, I just popped it right up in the air. Ah, that's, crap. That's unfortunate. It sounded like, like you didn't even line up. up. I don't even, did you even line up? <laughs> he just... No, no. What am I doing? This is radio. I just drove it 330 yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. It's in the home. Thanks for doing this, you guys. I really appreciate it. Uh, continued success. I hope the show goes big. Okay, cool. Thanks. Thank you. It's a show with Greg Shannon. The more you listen, the less you won't. At the sound of the bell, we welcome back an old friend, Karak Hendricks. And believe it on my youth. Blame it on my pride. Let's cut to the truth. Before goodbye. All right, Karak, before we get to your new music, before we get to the tragically hip discussion that may or may not get us kicked off the internet. We need to talk about the Tangerine Bank of the world. All you have to do is sign up a new account at the Tangerine Bank online, which has no fees, by the way. And if you do, $50 will go to you and $50 will come to us to grow the show. So how did it go? You heard us on the show a couple of weeks ago and you said, yeah, give this a shot. These morons probably lead me down the garden path, but I'm going to give it a shot because I got money to burn. How did it work for you? It worked killer, man. All I did is I went onto that website. I followed the uh, the instructions and I put in that referral code that uh, was sent to me and bang, I have my 50 bucks within, I think it was just within a week. Like I even did the whole take a picture of a check. But once I was set up, man, I've got my, my other account linked to this one and I can see a day where I'm probably going to just ditch the other account altogether. In that week long period, did you think, you know, it was your mind going, these guys are scamming me. This is not going to work. There's no way I'm getting 50 free dollars. Nah, I felt safe. I, I felt like this was something I could do, uh, you know, with a reputation, uh, like it's a show. I, I knew that it just, it, it would be uh, uh, golden and it was. And then Karak and I started talking about the tragically hip. I think that so many of us feel that they represent Canada and, and what we stand for. And, and CBC did a great job of covering that. Everyone's passionate about this band and I'm going to put up my hand right now and I'm going to risk losing it all <laughs> and losing my Canadian man card because I don't get the tragically hip that much. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. You, well, look, man, I, you're not alone. You're not alone. And I can relate. And there are a lot of my friends on Facebook. They were a little bit silent. And uh, and to be honest, I was too. And, and it wasn't intentionally, but I, I didn't really know what to say because like a lot of people, um, you know, friends my age, they might have been playing hockey. I was filling out Columbia host cards and I yeah, was I was getting yeah. <laughs> I was getting the, the CDs and, and the cassettes. And a lot of those were tragic hit because at the time, you know, you'd get the sale or whatever. And they, and they had some really good hits. But, um, you know, Gord Downey's voice. Uh, uh, it was really uh, very divisive for a lot of people, you know, but a lot of those singer songwriters, you know, like Dylan really started that whole thing. That's too. true. That's true. Yeah. That's so a good comparison to make because it's so different. And the only thing I can figure out is while this whole hip thing was going on, I was so immersed in country music that I didn't really even pay any creed or attention to anything else. It's like a lot of those things where, you know, that sometimes uh, I, and I found myself to now, now to date myself a little bit, uh, Nirvana was really happening when I was coming of age as well. And that was a band that I, I had a really hard time connecting with. But now that I'm a little older, I kind of get it. Those guys were the guys who didn't shower. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, they looked like they didn't shower. The dirty guys. Um, like, yeah. Yeah. Like Steven Tyler says, it costs a lot of money to dress cheap. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he stole that from Dolly Parton too, by the way. Oh, that's <laughs> <laughs> and, see, he's always been country. 
It's a Show with Greg Shannon is presented by the Jackpot Casino and OpenHighway.com. I went online and watched some stuff on YouTube and I watched Bob Cajun, the, yeah. the video for Bob Cajun. I thought, yeah, now this I can identify with. This is interesting yeah. and this is real Canadiana. You know, and the cool thing, Greg, is that um, so many of us that, that play music for a living, we're always playing Canadian rock songs. But the, you know, Tragically Hip is usually in the arsenal. Uh, New Orleans is Sinking is one of those songs that, you know, hey man, let's get up and jam. And what's the one that everyone knows? New Orleans is Sinking. Man, you know, to have been able to write a song like that from the Canadian perspective, uh, you know, Gord Downey is really, he's a legend. The one thing I was impressed with with Gord Downey on that CBC special on the final show was the amount of energy that he gave in the condition that his human body was in. You know, yeah. Like I, I've been, I've been having the flu for like a week, and I'm like, you know, my wife's sick of hearing about it, and I feel like crap. You know, it's work to get my pants on, and this guy's oh. going out there for a three-hour show. from Toronto at the Tragically Hip. Greg, back to you. Cheers. G-Fark out. Yeah, he's a real inspiration. We're going to be looking at Gordowney as you know, as a legend, uh, right up there with any of our other poets like Leonard Cohen and Gordon Lightfoot. Stomp it, Tom. Oh, hey, Stomp it, Tom. Yes. When I'm done my show, you can do yours, eh? Well, way down southern Ontario, I never had a nickel or a dime to show. A fella beeped up in an automobile. He said you want to work in the tobacco fields of Tilsonburg. Tilsonburg, Tilsonburg, 
G Fark always says, "Don't play any songs. We're not about the songs." I go, "Yeah, that's why we got no listeners." <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about your new single. "Can't Help Loving You" is the title, and who did you write this one with? Yeah, uh, this is a, a co-wrote with my friend Tyler Peller, and the same guy that co-wrote my last song, "Blame It on My Youth." Uh, we we went through a phase of uh, writing. It was it was a flurry, but um, you know he was going through some relationship issues. I think I've said that before, and and so we were able to uh, really tap into. Um, You're you know, milking this those, guy's pain. Some of those feelings, absolutely. Yeah, and, and the funny thing is he's in a really good place now. He's married, he's got kids. Um, so, you know, it's kind of a snapshot. And I, he might even be having a hard time looking back. But, uh, right. you know, we, we're really proud of these songs. Uh, we've been sitting on them for a few years now. Finally got them recorded and out to radio. And it's it's all we've ever wanted. So the single is called Can't Help Loving You, Greg. And it is at Radio Cross Canada right now. No matter what I say or do Well, I can't help loving you Hi, this is Karak Hendricks, and you're listening to It's a Show with Greg Shannon. Oh, that is really stiff. Oh, good Lord. Okay, well, let's see what I got around the room here. It's a sideshow. It's a sideshow, yeah. <laughs> Hi there, this is Karak Hendricks. KarakHendricks.com. K-A-R-A-C. Hendricks with no C. You might just want to start Googling and it's bound to come up because <laughs> yeah. there are many different spellings on that name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great catching up with you, brother. Okay, we'll stay in touch for sure. We'll see you around. See you, Karak. Talk to you later.